0: Hello and welcome to the Working Examiner podcast. In this series of podcasts, we interview the councillors, portfolio holders and supporters who are assisting the Lib Dem-run Working Council as we seek to address the many years of mismanagement committed by previous administrations. I am Peter Graves, councillor for Perfect Ward, and over the course of the series, the people I interview disclose the realities that lie behind the decisions they are making as they continue to unravel the complexities of the financial dissonance, which we inherited in May 2022. Today, I'm with Dale Roberts again, finance portfolio holder since May of last year. As listeners will have heard in the last podcast, it has been Dale's role in the last few manic months to try to unravel the council finances by engaging with the officers and other external agencies and then devise an affordable plan for moving us on to a positive and sustainable footing setting a realistic and affordable medium-term financial strategy. Dale, welcome, and it's good to see you again. Thank you, Peter. It's good to be back. So, Dale, let's look at the future. And what is the worst possible case scenario? I mean, could the council actually go bust?
1: Well, councils are often reported in the media as going bankrupt or going bust. But in actual fact, uh, Local authorities can't go bankrupt. Bankruptcy is a form of insolvency in which debts are written off, at least for individuals. For companies, creditors are paid back in a sort of strict priority sequence. Often bankruptcies described as bankruptcy relief, relief from uh, some of the debts that have been built up. Um, No such relief for councils. Councils can't go uh, bankrupt. Instead... What it does is it issues a Section 114 notice. That means the council can't make any new spending commitments. The council has to meet formally to put a plan together on next steps. Most councils in that situation have then passed an amended budget, reducing spending on services. This is, for example, example what happened in Croydon. A number of councils facing financial difficulties have requested capitalization directions from the government. What those are is they provide permission to use capital funds, for instance, from selling assets or property to top up services spending. Uh, Capitalization directions have sometimes been incorrectly described in the media as bailouts. So at this point, the government has power to intervene in how council services are run however this doesn't happen simply because a section 114 notice is issued and section 114 really peter is not an end point it's the start of a of a process the beginning of a uh, of a of a of a journey for the for the borough
0: that's interesting. So so what exactly would be the implications for for council services under a, a section 114 notice Dale? So we would
1: likely be obligated to provide statutory services only, which means cutting back or completely stopping non-statutory services.
0: Okay, so so and what what's the difference between those two just for our listener? What is the difference between a statutory and a non-statutory service. Could you explain that? Of course. Yeah, so
1: statutory services are those services we're obliged to provide as a local authority. So licensing, um, planning, waste collection, housing. Uh, non-statutory services are those things that are sort of leisure-related, leisure, leisure centres, and, and, and perhaps some of the social services we provide, such as the hot meal service, or, Meals on Wheels. Inevitably, we're going to be reducing some services, and what's important to the borough is that we have a say. We're unlikely to be able to deliver everything we have historically, but we do want to be involved in setting priorities on which services we can and can't provide, given the
0: budget position. So, Dale, explain if you could what what steps have been taken by the new administration and the Lib Dems to improve the prospects for the future. So,
1: uh, we had a plan, Peter, from day one, at least in outline. The first part, the first part of the plan was preventing the situation worsening. So, for example, Victoria Arch, in which. Uh, an additional 54 million of costs had already been identified, was paused. We wanted to understand the risks more properly, ensure they were handled so that we didn't end up with another uh, Victoria Square-sized project in terms of overruns and costs. Secondly, we wanted to put in place proper control, some of those things that were missing, proper governance, proper Project management. We wanted to uh, end years of potential conflict of interest by removing councillor directorships of subsidiary companies such as Thamesway. Might sound um, a little dull, a little boring, but very important to get governance right. Those new controls mean that for the first time, Thamesway and Victoria Square are now required by the borough as a shareholder. That's the thing, the governance change to provide robust business plans to back up their borrowing. And they were also in, asked to investigate ways of making savings, finding ways of, over time at least, reducing the borrowing or even finding alternatives to borrowing um, because we don't want the borough to continue to be primarily a banker. We want it to be a council. And then finally, we have to think about looking to the long term, rebuilding our finances. So the council has many assets, particularly in the town centre, such as land and buildings. These are being examined on a case by case basis to maximise the generation of income or cash, if it can be sold, that each investment can provide. But as you can imagine, each of those is a project in and of itself. If we want to change the purpose of the building today that is a, is a, a, a office, uh, for office rental, uh, and we want to make that residential, that's a project in and of itself that could take mm-hmm. many years. And all of that requires very careful and informed planning. We, we want to be very cautious about making this problem go away, not making this problem worse. Um, Also introducing a focus on cash, ensuring that we can see a way of meeting our borrowing obligations, but also, uh, and perhaps most importantly, working very collaboratively with um, the Department of Leveling Up and Housing and Communities over the summer months. And we need to continue to work with the government-appointed Rapid Review Board, uh, on identifying
0: what the next steps will be. So, so Dale, we, we've heard a lot about about this uh, this, this DLUC, but um, who are they, and um, what exactly do they do?
1: So, Peter, DLUC is the Department of Leveling Up, Housing and Communities, DLUHC. So, DLUC, it's effectively the government department responsible for local authorities.
0: And and how long, in your opinion, will it take for working to be on a secure financial footing? That really is the
1: 64000 or the $2.4 billion question, uh, Peter. It's it's a long-term project. It, it's taken a decade or so to amass this level of borrowing, uh, and it will take many years to address the problem, reverse the problem. It's been described by Councillor Barker, the leader of the council, as a super tanker in that it takes a long time to change direction. We'll be doing that through policy change, through governance, as we've discussed, and we'll be doing it through this sort of long term rebuilding of the finances involving a reconfiguration of assets. And sadly, it is almost inevitably going to mean cuts to services in the short and medium term. We're currently asking, for example, senior managers in the borough to identify what we've called a minimum viable service to understand what it is we could deliver uh, that's statutory, and then perhaps what we might deliver if we can deliver on our priorities too. But both of those will fall well short of the services we deliver today. So there'll, there'll be some pain. Um, but it's necessary to get us back to being, over time at least, a successful borough, rather than what we've been for years and
0: years, a failing bank. So looking forward to the future, Dale, how, how optimistic are you about the ability of the council, helped by the Lib Dems, to get us back onto a positive footing? I'm hugely
1: optimistic. Uh, Peter, We you and I were at a, an event uh, some days ago, the the Winning Woking event, a Lib Dem, a Lib Dem event, and, and I was buttonholed at the end. And we talked about uh, rebuilding trust in an organisation that has lost trust. And, and this individual, she, she clearly had a lot of experience in organisational leadership. And she shared with me in her experience that there are three things required to win back Trust in Woking Borough Council. One, firstly, new leadership. Two, a plan. And then, thirdly, evidence that that plan is being executed on, that it's that it's progressing. And I think um, we have a, a completely new leadership in the borough council, both uh, in terms of corporate leadership and and, and democratic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a plan. We've talked about it, at least in overview. And that plan is progressing. So co- cause for optimism in in all of that. Also, we have a great group of people working on this, all with the right intent. Now, we've talked about some of these things, things today. Understandably, politically, there will be some discussions about the history, who's to blame, etc. But actually, uh, when we sit down and we look at these issues, no one's really concerned about the history other than perhaps in understanding what we can learn from it. Instead, everyone's laser focused on finding uh, a solution through this enormously complex problem. And there's such a willingness to work with external advisors uh, with and in taking expert advice uh, and also engaging collaboratively with the government-appointed review board. So whilst there are some challenging decisions to be made, I'm optimistic that we can find, at least over time, a sustainable solution that will ultimately get this borough back on track.
0: Once again, thank you, Dale, for helping us to understand the details behind the financial dissonance that you, the new administration, And the officers are attempting to unravel. It is heartening, I'm sure, for the listener to hear the depth of understanding that you clearly have and the dedication that you are showing to resolve what must seem at times to be unresolvable. It is concerning but reassuring at the same time to hear that Diluc is here to review the situation. I'm sure we all owe you a deep debt of gratitude all you are doing to help them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Working Examiner podcast, and we look forward to you joining us again next time.